follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I am Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Thank you for joining us. And guys, how are you doing? Uh, Shad, I'm feeling good, like I should. <laughs> I am glad to hear that. Have you heard that song? That's It's like all over the, the airwaves now. No, I don't listen to pop uh, music. Oh, okay. Maybe I'll uh, play a little of it later. It's, uh, uh, it's a popular song. I should uh, I should be listening, but I I'm just not right now. Uh, I listen to old people music now. NPR. No, that <laughs> NPR is too old for me. <laughs> NPR is like what you listen to when you hit like the over eighty. Or, or the stereotype is the um, the teenager who wants to act like they're deep kind of thing. I, I remember know, that was I, a joke um, on uh, news radio. I am um, I'm I've been su- I've been super into radio and I've never liked NPR because the, everyone on it just sounds so bored. Oh, <laughs> it's like the SNL skit where they had the NPR crew that keeps interviewing. Alec Baldwin's character. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. it's, uh, his sweaty balls. Yeah, yeah. sweaty. I I will listen. I did listen sometimes back in the day when they used to do like they used to replay like some old time radio stuff, but hmm. they really don't do that stuff anymore. So I do not. No. Know. Um. Here you go. Hey. Okay. a little bit of an intro and it gets in about six seconds it's going to get through that hook <laughs> i can legitimately say i've never heard this before oh, i've really? never it's heard like, it either and i'm it's like a catchy song it's it's a it's like a an earworm it'll, it'll stick with you all day once you hear it you see the the other problem is is um my wife just got a new car a couple months ago, and we still have the the free Sirius XM subscription. So I don't. Um, I listen, like I said, I listen to like '80s, '90s, and like some 2000s stuff mixed in. So I don't really hear anything new. Yeah. It has yeah. to be. It has to be at least 12 years old for it to like have any resonance with me i think gun gum style <laughs> was the last like time i was hooked into like the the wow. pop culture nexus of music no probably newer than that but i just that's what springs to mind it doesn't huh? it doesn't appeal it just 
it doesn't appeal to me the way they do a lot of music now because it just it used to be like you could feel a progression of music and it all just has kind of sounded the same for the last i don't know 10 12 years are you saying that you need to take those old records off the shelf so you can sit and listen to them by yourself yes all right well, thank you all for joining us for this episode. We want to go ahead and get our shout-outs. first one is Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. Collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's the number four, capital C and corner, capital P and podcast, no spaces. Save 10% on your order. And then our other shout-out, I'm going to throw it over to Matt. Matt. Uh, that would be to Orlando Cologne. Orlando Cologne actually had a tweet in the last day. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. He tweeted that the Colognes are free agents, which yeah, uh, which I thought you know they would have been for a while because they've been gone from the WWE for a while. But yeah, um, I guess they're. I guess what that really means is that they're open to taking bookings. So yeah, um, I would love to see. I honestly feel. I mean, I would love to see them in places like AEW, but once Ring of Honor actually starts doing shows again. They actually would probably be a good fit there, just because Ring of Honor doesn't really have much of anyone. They don't. They need a little star power. Plus, I'm sure they could have good matches there. I was oh, thinking yeah. MLW would be a good hmm. spot for them. That's true. That's actually another good spot. I well, also, nice... um, I guess Carrie Sane is done with WWE unless she signs a new deal. Uh, I think that she's pretty much done in general now she's gonna go home and stay home with her husband for a bit she'll probably do stardom yeah i think she's done too i think it's, it it had been rumored that she was gonna be done i mean they watched her terribly she was way too good for what they did with her and letting nia Jax injure her repeatedly <clears throat> yeah she's um she's she was one of the best three workers uh, female workers, at least, in the company. And the other two were Asuka and Io Shirai. <laughs> I'd put her in... Honestly, if we're going workers overall, I'd put her in the top 25% of that company. I'd agree. No, she's, yeah. She's, she's a great worker. It's just <laughs> sad, because I, I looked it up. She's been there, she'd been there three years, and like two out of the three were just in NXT, which is like... Yep. I, I get that, you know, NXT is even... It's it's technically supposed to be, you know, the developmental, but it's become its own thing. Mm-hmm. But even so, like, that's two-thirds of her time was in NXT, was on the main roster. A, so A world-class yeah. talent, and you wasted her. Yeah, I mean, even when she was on the main roster, it was as a tag team with Asuka. Even yeah. if you're going to take it as a compliment that she's staying on the more work rate... Uh, brand or something like that you're you you spent two-thirds of her time on the lowest visibility brand of the company when you're you're gonna you didn't do anything with her but you're gonna you're gonna put all this time and effort into Shayna baszler who's never even at her best will never be even a third of what sane was as a worker yeah and who vince soured on real quickly too well, it's because she's not she's never she was never that good i never understood why people were so high on her because her matches were formulaic 
Like she just did the she just did that that thing that workers do before they figure out how to project a character, which is me mug, is because that's how you have a character. I'm feeling with, personally attacked. I just never I just never I just never got it with her. And especially her her NXT title reign was just awful by the end because it was the same thing over and over again. Oh yeah. I um yeah it's it's I just don't get it. Someone who would have the opportunity to do so much with, and you just keep them on the low visibility brand. That's well. Then they had her beat. I mean, I think they probably did something else with her, but then they finally like. Her last night in the company, they actually let her be her, and it was really good because, gee, fancy that. When you don't <laughs> hamper your workers, they can be good. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, pretty so much. Speaking of, um, speaking of workers and WWE, tonight we are reviewing SummerSlam 1992. We kind of decided to do this after UK Rampage 1992, just as kind of a fun little... Um, kind of I a follow-up. Conti- yeah, continuation of the product mm-hmm. in 1992. So that is what we're doing. Had had you guys seen SummerSlam 1992 previously? Uh, I had. Um and I'm not to take credit for this episode, but I'm going to take credit for this episode. <laughs> when we watched UK Rampage, like uh, I was, I was chatting with Brad and Chad, and I was like, you know, this kind of makes me want to watch SummerSlam '92 because I had seen it years ago. Um, I actually was one of those people who, before it was DVDs, was you know it was VHS, and I I bootlegged the VHS tapes. Did you guys ever do that? Uh, I, this, yeah, I'm really dating that. myself, but. I used to, so when, when Summer would hit after I became a wrestling fan, because I got into it later. So I got into it in 1997. I had, like, a driver's license and everything. So once Summer would hit and I was – so before I had, like, a real job, I'd mow, mow lawns for my my walking around money as a young teenager. And yeah. um, so during my free time and a lot on weekends, I would drive to a couple of blockbusters because they had different uh, selections of the Coliseum tapes. And I would just rent everything sometimes mm. over and over again. So that would usually mm. be my weekend. Would I'd go over to blockbuster and get like four or five WWE VHSs. Oh, Okay. I never did that. I, I only would get like one, maybe one, maybe two at a time. Mm-hmm. But I would bootleg stuff. Which, if you, this is really dating myself, but if you, uh, if you had like a blank VHS tape back in the day, you needed two VH, you needed two VCRs for this. Yeah. But you could basically connect them using like audio video cables, and if you got the outputs right, uh, you would play one. DVD, which would be uh, be whatever DVD you want to, uh, sorry, whatever VHS you want to bootleg, and then you could record it on the the next level VCR. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I remember like I actually rented this when it came out. This is okay. prop based upon the timeline. I, I mean, I they back then the videotapes would always come out like a few months after the event, so. 
it wasn't it wasn't like day of it wasn't immediately it was always i would say about in my area like three to four months later mm-hmm. but at that point in 92 is when i had started getting into wrestling so and, and for those people that are like how dare you bootleg just so you know fucking vhs's cost like 50 bucks back in the day at the actual official ones, yeah. yeah. You, get, you wanted, like, it wasn't like nowadays where DVDs, I mean, you can go down to Target and get, you can probably even go to Walmart and get, like, uh, if you wanted to buy a, a WWE DVD, it's cheap, probably. It's like 10 bucks, maybe. Oh, yeah. It, it's, or you can sit on a, what I do. So here, here's a fun little trick for anyone is make an Amazon list and put a bunch of stuff on there and then just check on it sporadically and you'll catch stuff go on like that'll go down. So you can usually catch this stuff for like 10 or 12 bucks on Blu-ray. Okay. You can get it on that clearance pricing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was also like, if you think about it in the late nineties, tape trading, like that was the same concept. I mean, people would boot like stuff all the time. Anyway, I had I had rented this and I had bootlegged the tape, so I watched this. I watched uh, SummerSlam '92 uh, like more than once, but mm-hmm. it had it had been like at least a couple decades since I had seen this show. I'm trying to remember. Remember when they re-released all the WrestleManias like one through fourteen with those spe- that special? It had that special set design. On VHS, were those like 15 bucks back in the day? Because that was like late 90s. That was like right before DVD started. Oh, yeah, where the, the spine of it was like the, the gold on blue yeah. motif. I know what you're talking about. I don't remember how much they were because I, I wasn't going to buy them. I remember I got all of them, and it took me forever to find a copy of 4. 4 was like, it took me months to get 4. Huh. I think I had to drive to like um oh, what were they called? Eh, I can't remember now. What's Sam Goody, Suncoast. Suncoast. It was Suncoast. I had to drive to like a <laughs> Suncoast across the city like to get that last one. I have not seen this show in its entirety before. I've seen bits and pieces out of it, but um I know, man, going, going back to, if you're into anime back in the VHS days, like, you were never assured if you could find dubbed or subbed, so you had to take what you could get. And anime on VHS could run you, like, 40 bucks, even, like, in 99 and 2000 before DVD really started to come in. Anime can still actually be kind of expensive. It can, yeah. At least you can get both on the same thing now, though. Mm. And man, even even though back then, like getting a blank VHS, that was a that was not a um, that was not a cheap investment. Like to tape stuff, because I used to tape stuff off TV, and like a, a blank VHS would run you. Even towards the end, that was still like five to ten dollars for one. Yeah. Because I mean, I I know. So, so to go into it a little more, I mean, you can do it on DVD, but I would always tape on four hour because the monetary cost was just too cost prohibitive to tape on two hour. Like six hour looked like crap, so I'd always do four hour. 
Yeah. Um, see, I was always trying to maximize, so I would do six hours, even though, oh, yeah, you did, you, you did sacrifice some quality there. Yeah, because four it, hour and two I hour think, looked about the same to me. I think my parents, their VCRs, if you recorded it on six hour, it would make it black and white. <laughs> Ouch. So I have, uh, I have a... Uh, I have a thunder that was in Lexington that is is partially recorded in black and white because someone stopped it while I was recording it. Oh, that's rough. See, my uh, my my taping obsession, and I still have a lot of the tapes, even though a lot of it's on DVD now. Was Mystery Science Theater three thousand? I had most of the episodes that I taped off TV. Ah. Uh, well, that's. Yeah, there's um, a lot of that is, but you, you a lot of the stuff that you might go hunting for out of the, those old things, at least like if you were doing wrestling that was that was on the air at the time, like you wanted to record that live show because it was nearby or someone you knew was going to be there or something like that. Um, you know, there there was not a good an easy way to find it until they put the network up. <laughs> So that's it's been kind of it, 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 kind of a blessing, but on the other hand, you know they keep screwing with the UI like we've talked about before, and yeah. that makes us curse. Also, uh, also before we we go on the the old just one more bit of nostalgia because my parents did it a couple times for me as a as a kid is um the old trick back in the eighties was to get some blank VHSs and maybe get a month of HBO or or wait for the free weekend and then tape a bunch of stuff off of HBO just to have it. <laughs> I totally did that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Disney Channel. When Disney Channel used to be a, a premium service and they, they would do the free weekends and stuff. Yeah. I, yeah, I remember, I think yeah, that... Go ahead, Matt. I'm sorry, you were you started first. Go ahead. Um, I think that uh, the movie channel got wise to it, so whenever they would do their free weekend... I remember towards the end of it, I think, they would just play the same movie over and over and over again. Like, oh, it's a free weekend of the movie channel. Here's Independence Day 14 times. (laughs) So. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I was going to say, like, in my area, uh, they had the free weekend at least once a month, maybe twice a month. Oh, wow. To kind of entice you to, to sign up. And my parents never did, but. (laughs) <laughs> I would tell whenever I would wait for those, and whenever I found it was coming, like I would just tape all sorts of movies. So I actually didn't know just b- before we get to the event. I didn't realize Columbus was like <clears throat> one of the pioneers of getting cable everywhere. So when I was a kid, cable was just a thing, and I didn't realize like people in other big cities didn't have cable until like the mid or late '80s, whereas Columbus like had it in the late '70s. Wow. Because that's why that's why Georgia Championship Wrestling started running here is because Columbus was wired so early and Georgia Championship Wrestling was like so popular here. So they actually just started running shows here in like 81. Oh, wow. Uh, I didn't know Columbus was like that. Well, we had we had it. Wrestling in Columbus is interesting. Like, I'm kind of sad that I missed like the Al Haft 50s and 60s wrestling and then 
Unfortunately, we had the Sheik's awful Detroit wrestling <laughs> through the 70s, so I think that's why Georgia Championship Wrestling got so popular. Yeah. You hear stories about the Sheik there at the end, and he's got whoever he's got, and he's trying to get the snake to bite someone, but the snake might even be dead, so it's not really reacting to anything. I think he and Bobo were wrestling each other into like the late 80s in, in Detroit Indies. Really? Yeah. He did like an FMW show in like 93 or something. Really? Yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, SummerSlam 1992, since we got on our weird um, (laughs) taping things in the 80s and 90s before. (laughs) That was the young whippersnapper portion of our process. I just want to say, people don't realize how good they have it with DVDs. Like, I just bought a spindle of a hundred of a hundred blank DVDs off Amazon for nineteen dollars. Hmm, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, that's yeah. a good price. And they're the good kind. They're the verbatim types, not like the the crappy, like off brand. You don't know if it's actually going to work. Type. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I remember like at one point just to get. I needed like blank DVDs to burn wrestling stuff, and I think I bought some off, at a, off like a Seven Eleven or something like that. It was like, oh, no. it was like a, it wasn't a Seven Eleven branded DVD, but it was like a brand you had never heard of. And it's like I'm sure if you Googled it, nothing would come up. Uh, but they worked, so. But like, yeah, um, it, I learned that lesson great. like when you when you go to like the dollar store and they have that off-brand of battery you've never heard of and you're like well a battery's a battery and then it's just dead yeah, in five not. minutes yeah it's not because they skimped on the chemistry yeah yeah it's it's trust me uh, my time in the battery mines i learned i heard that a lot you know the amazon brand batteries are pretty solid though yeah they're pretty good they they don't last as long but but from what I've read, the performance versus price is about right, so they're worth getting. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, there's, there's our old Yeah. Because Summer this, Slam 92. Is, this might we be should... telling you something about what we thought about this show. Uh, before we before we start, we should also give a, a shout out to our sponsor, or our, our sponsor just for the show, and that would be Ico Pro. Ico Pro. <laughs> For people who, for quote, for people who care about their bodies, I go pro. I think actually the actual quote was where everybody cares about their body. <laughs> it's like, okay, Vince. Uh, I I was never actually clear on what in the heck I go pro was, nor did I care. They were bodybuilding supplements. Oh, okay. They just they, had that spot on old raw, just like purchased outright, and we never going. I don't think they were I don't think they were like in direct relation to the WBF, but I think they I think like they might have come first and then he did the WBF, but they were kind of with his like obsession with bodybuilding. Yeah. Um so SummerSlam ninety two. We'll get to it eventually. Yes. So um the, I, I read a, I was reading a little background on this, and um, apparently after um, the uh, Rampage tour, they were like, "Oh wow, this is this is pretty hot over there. We should we should run more shows there." 
So well, um, it's in conjunction too because the um, the house show business in the United States was just dead. Okay. So you, you have... can kind of you can kind of tell by the card they were running here and what was actually like making the pay per view, like what shape the roster was in at the time, because they really had a lot of issues. Like Sid left them high and dry. Hogan, you know, wasn't really moving the needle, and he was gone. You know, Warrior's about to warrior off to <clears throat> um, abduct and rape Santa Claus. Yeah, he and... was going to go found Warrior University. Yeah, and um, you know they're trying they're trying to push some new guys, and you know I just think Savage wasn't quite working out, and Flair wasn't a good fit. Like they were just in a bad spot at the time. Yeah, they were flound. It seemed like they were floundering. Yeah. So we um, we got SummerSlam '92. Now there were a couple of dark matches that I think mine and Matt's didn't have. Or I did all three of us? Either. Okay, so we'll we'll just kind of skip over that if you go look it up. The first three matches were dark matches. So the first match that showed up on this card was uh, the Legion of Doom with Paul Ellering and someone else and, Ro- and Rocco. Oh God! The versus. I I, I think I was raging on our instant messenger the second i saw rocco yeah you were pretty you were pretty mad just straight away yeah i i i i, I saw the notification pop up and i looked down and inch i hate rocco and yeah um versus money inc um so this is the second time irs was was uh working in front of a big british crowd and and heenan it, it was Hayden was in this weird commentary place because he spent. He's like, if you people would pay your taxes, then the royal family would be okay. And it's like, I, um, okay, maybe I'm just not up to how Great Britain feels about the royal family, but I, 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 I thought they, I thought they were good with the royal family. Um, I think it swings wildly back and forth. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough, but we had this um, we had this match where it was it was the Road can, Warriors versus Can we money. talk about something before we get to like the actual map? But uh, match, but Ted DiBiase and White was really like throwing me for a loop. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I had that same thought. I'm like, why is Ted wearing white here? What I don't understand. Because Ted, you know, Ted's a very old school kind of guy, and my understanding of old school psychology is that that you know only baby faces wear white, heels wear well, black. You really only wear white when you're gonna bleed all over it in wrestling. Well, if a guy's wearing a white shirt, that means he's about to get he's about color. to get stuck. Yeah. Um. But we had. Yeah, there, there we. I, I guess, I guess that the, um, Ted's like, well, this is the only thing that's clean. I'll throw it in the bag. It'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> now, this actually addressed what um, I remembered as a criticism from uh, from Rampage that um, that we had in the. It's like you know why why are the Road Warriors selling for some no name tag team? 
Well, here they're against an actual tag team, like former tag champs, um, in in Money Incorporated. And uh, I don't know about you guys. I thought that this was fine. I mean, I lost uh, interest about halfway through and just wanted it to be over. It went way too long, um, and I I don't know. I I mean, I don't. I'm not at the school of thought that the Legion of Doom should just uh, steamroll everyone. I mean, Money Inc. was an established tag team. They had they had held the tag titles. Uh, so I, I can see a little back and forth, but it was like a long, long heat segment on Hawk. They, yeah. they looked like the, the problem I had here is, well, one is Paul Ellering was doing like a really crappy comedy routine with Rocco. Oh, inside yeah. the whole time and they <clears throat> would just show it a lot and I yeah. just wanted I just wanted him to stop and then Jimmy Hart wasn't like if you listen to stuff from the 80s like Jimmy Hart's like giving instructions and doing stuff and he just obviously didn't give a crap at this point and like half the time he's just laughing he's like he, he's just saying the same stuff over and over again yeah, and it was really coming through on 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 um, the mic, which is bothering me. But my other problem is the LOD just kind of look like pussies here. You think so? Yes. I mean, and they then, didn't look like an elite team. No. no, that's true. Like they didn't. Like there was no point where you're just like, like if if they had done a, a shorter heat segment and then they kind of got their head of steam and just steamrolled them that would have been fine but they didn't even like at the end they didn't even get to do the doomsday device no the the doomsday device got countered and i think it went what it just went home off of a power slam yeah and then they just kind of rebounded into a power slam so like it didn't even feel like they they got like a head of steam and just destroyed them it just felt like they kind of won and it was like, okay, whatever. That was, um, I should have been taking notes at this point, but in watching this match, I was looking at it, and I'm like, uh, what's, that That comeback seemed off, like, kind of just, if memory serves, it seemed like Hawk just kind of quit selling. And he's like, well, we're going into the end now? It, pretty much. Okay, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't, like, remembering wrong and misattributing it. And this had the same issue that the later tag match had. Like, so there was a point where he was about to make the tag, and it was obvious they were both reaching for it. And then the ref can see this, but then when he knows they're like they're like just inches apart, he turns to deal with like Mike Rotunda coming in, and it really annoyed me. And they did the same thing in the tag title match, and it's like no, like I understand when there's not that hope of it happening. And they, like, die for it, but the the refs dealing with the heels, like, no, when they're about to make, like, when they are literally a finger, you know, a, like, a finger length apart, apart from each other, you should not be turning your attention away, because that makes you look like a stupid referee. That's, that's why I don't like what I call the iceberg tags. I know we talked about it before, but it's like, you know, you do this, and you're, you're not you're not creating tension you're drawing it out and then this stuff like this happens and you're like well okay that's it's 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 easy to screw that up because all that happens is you know you both are just laying there and you're like you're slower than than climbing a ladder and you're just like 
uh, and in your and they're like, oh, he's almost there, which means that the heels miss their miss the opportunity to come in and do the distractions. What that means, they were late on the draw. But the thing is, like, what where it looks makes the referee look stupid is just like. You're you're doing this now, but if the, if the hot tag was made and he came in, you wouldn't do a damn thing to actually address that. Like what the heel should have done, like is improvise if they're late and just go clock animal or something like that. Because yeah. you could have had um, there's a lot of stuff you could have done if you're. I mean, if you're going to be late and they're getting ready to make the tag, you don't come in like you come charging in and you get in the ref's way so that the ref doesn't see the tag like you you like or or something like like you distract him in a way that's not just like oh you didn't see it you distract him in it's like hey 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 you're not supposed to get out of here like get directly in front of him and actually distract him not you know be like oh oh uh, uh, you know got to make sure you're not doing anything over there yeah, and it's I'm, just it's just the problem is it what, that I had with it is it was obvious that they were like almost there, and the yeah. ref looks stupid by taking his attention away. Like it it gave it gave away the the it gave away the scam pretty much, mm-hmm. and it made it look like cooperative. That's fair. It also um there there wasn't like a lot of continuity because there was there was once or twice where. Uh, and I know they're the heels, but still, like uh, DiBiase and IRS switched off without tagging, and it's like the ref didn't catch that. He's keeping an eye to see if if the he- the faces are gonna get a tag, and then the slightest yeah. distraction, yeah, he's like looking his head away. He doesn't see the tag, but well, there's a time where t- like DiBiase like came in, and, oh, or IRS came in, either one, I forget. Although that did it did give us like a funny uh, brain comment. Uh, oh, because the, the announcers for—I don't think we announced it—were were Vince McMahon, Vinny Mac, and Bobby yeah. Heenan. Um, Bobby had a good line. He was like, "Well, it doesn't matter if you're close enough; you don't have to tag." I—I <laughs> <laughs> I got a kick out of that too. See, I miss—I miss some of the old, like, the old art of some of the old, like, heelish blind tags. Like, I miss where they're in the corner, and the heel just claps his hand and comes in because the ref's not quite looking. And he, mm-hmm. they didn't actually make the tag, but one guy just smacked his hands together to like give the impression they did. I I actually have a picture somewhere of me doing that exact thing. I'd have to go dig it up, but it was I was stepping through the ropes, like my my tag partner is choking the other guy. I'm stepping through the ropes, looking at the ref with my hands up, like I was getting ready to clap them or had just clapped them. Um, I, I, I'll dig that up for you guys, but it's you, you just you do that because you it, it pisses people off that you're breaking the rules. So every little chance you have to break the rules, you do it because that irritates the crowd. And then, but you know, like act like don't act like you're not just disregarding it. Act like it's like oh, you know, we're putting it over on him, or even even like. Because it's kind of gotten diluted and it doesn't mean what it used to. Like, even really smacking the guy on the body to come in is a heel move. Because you're breaking, you're violating the spirit of the rules, not necessarily the 
the the meaning of the rules, but you're violating the spirit. Like, so even that's kind of a heelish tag, but they don't. That really was that do was one anymore. that I feel like that ship's kind of sailed. No, yeah, that that's been diluted and it doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah. So that, that's I don't I don't really worry about that one over much, but um, but yeah, you know, just just make it look like hey, you know, you're not. You know, we we know we're doing something we're not supposed to be doing, and uh, and we're putting it over on them. I'll, I'll I'll dig for that for a minute. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't care for this as an opener. It really just didn't do much for me. I didn't mind it. I thought it was okay. It wasn't offensive, but I was just kind of like, eh, that was a wrestling match that existed at some point in time. Next. Yeah, it was just like there. Um... But this was like a weird period, like we've kind of mentioned before. But it was also weird because like LOD was basically on its way out. Oh, like yeah. Animal, not that long after this, would get injured, so he would take he would he would be out like two three years. Hawk would leave. He would go to New Japan. He would actually form a tag team with um, Kinsuke Sasaki. Power Warrior. The they Hell were Razors. yeah, Power Warrior. The Hellraisers. Yeah, they were. I, I haven't seen a lot of their stuff, but uh, it's not good. <laughs> probably yeah, cause they're probably just doing like power stuff and it's probably not that exciting but he I remember does, um, I remember does, seeing hmm? Hawk does like a singles run in ECW in 93 with like oh, I, don't, I think he gets I don't fireballed by Eddie Gilbert hmm huh uh, I remember seeing clips of of the Hellraisers in their gear and I got I was like as a kid and I was like super excited, but I never really actually saw any of their stuff. I might have a couple of their matches somewhere. I'll 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 have to look. I mean I have New Japan World. I can probably like search and see. I uh, just as this is like a weird aside, but I thought of it just because uh, this past weekend was Extreme Rules, and you had uh, Drew McIntyre against Dolph Ziggler for the title. Mm-hmm. And I don't have anything against Dolph Ziggler. Um, he, I think he's fine. But I, I just was noting, like, Ted DiBiase's, pretty much his entire tenure as as an active competitor, because I know he'd, he'd been associated in, like, the late 90s as with, like, the corporation, so he was kind of like a manager, mm-hmm. on-air personality. Um, but in terms of his actual work as an actual, like, worker like wrestler was from 87 to 93 so about six years Mm -hmm. Dolph Ziggler as Dolph Ziggler has been on the roster from 2008 until like present day and that's not counting that's not counting him when he was with Spirit Squad or he his brief appearance or his brief tenure as uh, as Kerwin White's caddy so I a dude who literally has been around like 16 years, 12 of them as like his current gimmick. Wow. And if you, if you go back, this is even more because Savage is in one of the main events later. If Savage's entire tenure, I think, I think from when he entered the WWF, or at least when, let's say like WrestleMania three, his like classic with, uh, with Ricky Steamboat, to the point where, like WCW, was sold to the WWF, and he—that was basically like the end of his career. 
it's like what only 13 years maybe is it really 13 14 years so only slightly longer than Dolph Ziggler has been Dolph Ziggler so it's like wow are you, talking about, are you talking about Savage from him showing up in WWF to the death of WCW kind of he had, I mean 87 was I'm was the WrestleMania three match? I, I'm not sure when he showed up in in WWF. 84-ish. Six. Oh, 84. 84. Okay. All right. So yeah. It, all right. So he, you're you're probably talking like the same amount of time, but it's crazy because it's like Savage is. He was done in 2000 though, so like 16 years. Yeah, but I mean, 16 year career of like brilliant of of note, but he's he's. You don't put him in the same league as like a Hogan or a Flair, but he's one of the most fascinating and memorable characters from wrestling. I like think that his gimmick year. changed a lot over the years, though. Like he's changed more than Dolph Ziggler's changed. Yeah, it's just crazy. It's like it, that's kind of like a. I, it was. I know it's like a weird aside. It's like a weird tangent to get off on, but it's just. I don't know. It's just crazy because if you think about the WWE product, and definitely now, and as it has been for like the last few years, yeah, and people don't people don't really change. Like they don't improve. They they're just like static. Like yeah. And again, you want to go like eighty seven, ninety three, Ted DiBiase. Like he's a memorable character. And then, not to pick on the dude, but how how long has Roman Reigns? been like a been pushed as like a big guy like a main guy the the prime the primary years of their pissing match i think he main main evented like five manias or something yeah something like that like the the amount of time they spent fighting with their fans over roman was like hogan's like big years length this is a weird thing but i actually i'm i think i'm at the point it, that I would actually accept Roman. <laughs> a bad okay. is like a main event guy. You know what the problem is, though? Is he got better and people had a lot of goodwill towards him when he came back from the leukemia and then they squandered a, it with that never-ending um, Shane Corbin. McMahon feud right into that Baron Corbin dog stuff. Which oh, just killed him you're dead. right. You're right. That dog, that was so awful. Anything, any, any, any pairing with Corbin like kills you now because it's so terrible. People just tune Corbin out. I can't help but wonder: Did Corbin piss off the writing staff so they intentionally pass him bad stuff? Because like that's part of part of what kept Miz going for so long was the story is. Uh, I should really preface it is that there was one mania. Where Miz is bopping around, and he comes on, comes across the um, the writing staff, and he's like, "Hey guys, what are you doing tonight? You gonna go to the party or whatever?" And they're like, "No, we're not invited." He's like, "Wait, what? You're not invited? No, we're not invited." And so he like took them all out to dinner and hung out with them, which is you know a nice thing to do. But then what happened is that the writing staff always made sure they took care of him. I wonder if the inverse happened with Corbin. <laughs> I have no idea. It's, it's just an interesting thought. They have so many guys on the roster right now that are just death. Like, Seth Rollins is just death to everyone. Oh, he makes you want to gouge your eyes out. Yep. 
Come on, I should at least get a laugh for that being timely. <laughs> I, you know, I, I haven't seen it, but I've I've seen more than one person whose opinion I greatly respect say it is one of the worst things they've ever seen. Like that spot or the match itself? The match itself. Oh, really? Uh, the, from what I've heard, the match itself was fine, but that it was just completely stupid and nonsensical because again the only way to quote unquote win that match was to literally gouge out the eye of your opponent yeah and instead you have like uh you have like ray and seth rollins doing like her and ken ranas and things like that and it's like no you should just it should just be a brawl there there should be no wrestling moves really how do you you have do what you should do see this is how you win this match you you get a you get a rag with some chloroform, you jump on them, you chloroform them, you get a you get a fork, pop that eye out of there. Maybe a melon baller. What do you think, Shad? Fork versus melon baller. Well, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna respect Death Clock, they prefer the melon baller. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Because I was going to, you know, it's funny you bring up Death Clock because in the main event. Uh, I was going to make some Dr. Roxo jokes. <laughs> no. Let's, well, let's it, not say that. What does it say that we're in this place where we're just, we're going off on these tangents and, and with the, with this card? Cause so, so this is, this for anyone listening at home, when we go really tangent heavy on shows, it usually means we did not enjoy it. And it wasn't. And it wasn't bad enough like the UWF show where we can stay on topic because the badness was compelling. Like this, to like I really struggled with this show. Like, because I told them over over like text, I'm like, I think um, I think that November to Remember show we did is the worst thing we've actually reviewed on here because it just pissed me off from start to finish. But this is this is easily one of the bottom three things we've ever touched as yeah, far as how much i enjoyed it, it it's uh, i i compared it to uk rampage and counting the stuff i thought was bad between the two and so it was like there's there's like actively bad and then there's like you know it's okay and okay is fine i know i've said that on here before sometimes it's just okay and that's that's fine that's not a big deal you know sometimes you just you have an okay night but it doesn't but, make you want to talk about it is the problem no. just okay like sometimes like when something's just downright awful like you want to talk about it because it's fun to shit on it well but, it, it's if you have a whole if you have a lot of show that's just okay then you don't keep your fans engaged for a long period of time and that's kind of the problem we have here is that there's a lot of okay but it's not keeping me hooked in and we're really trying to avoid talking about the next match. Like we're trying real hard to to not have to talk about the next match on the card. Can can we talk about the next match though? Like <laughs> I actually no, I, I'm gonna say something nice here. I actually I actually liked Virgil's promo. <laughs> Virgil delivers his promo with some fire, you know. I well, I was just thinking. I'm like, you know, like I know he's a meme and stuff, but. The matches we've seen, like, his parts of the match have been okay. His promos have been okay. Like, you know, they could have really done a little more with him than what they did. 
You know what? I, I I should. We should do this right. We're doing a disservice here because we're not calling him by his proper name. So the next match on the card features Curly Bill versus uh, versus Nails, and Curly Bill works really hard in this match. But he's I'm I, I think just from now on that's that's what we call Virgil. That's he he's not Virgil. He's not. He's not Virgil. He's not uh, Vincent. He's just Curly Bill. Curly Bill. Curly Bill. So we're going to start with Nails. Um, It looks like he wears a trash bag. Um, It's supposed to look like a prison jumpsuit, and it still doesn't. No. Nails has to go in the pantheon of, of wrestling talents, and specifically like talents who had a stint in the WWF. Who are just absolutely like irredeemably terrible. They they are, and you, you know what you know what surprises me about the jumpsuit though because have you seen him ever wrestle as Kevin Kelly? No. He's not great, but he's not as bad as nails. But like he actually has a decent body. So why did they cover him up in like this trash bag thing? Because his gimmick is that he was a convict, so he's got to wear a convict, something that's supposed to look like a convict jumpsuit. By the way, Matt, I'm going to be real honest with you. Every time you said talent there, I was making air quotes. Yeah, um, you should. It's the loosest definition of <laughs> application of the term. So the story is, I think he gets fired pretty shortly after this because he, he assaults Vince McMahon and then says he did it because Vince McMahon sexually assaulted him. Is that what the story is? Assaulted or harassed him. I can't recall which. I think he I think he he attacked Vince, I think, over like a pay issue, but I can't quite Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the story I've heard. I think he's gone fairly shortly after this. This the payoff to this show might actually be what causes it. Early ninety three when he was gone. Okay. Because he did he did, he did at least make it through um, Survivor Series because Survivor Series is when he had the um, the night stick match with Big Boss Man. Okay, so that, they were Man building won. to that at this point. Yeah, he's so bad. I would take Ludwig Borga over him. It's funny. We watching this. I, 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 I sent to our group chat. I'm like, okay, look, I don't, I don't, you know, want to you know, toot my own horn or brag or anything. There's not a whole lot of people I'd even say this about, but I am entirely certain that I was better than nails. And then Matt sent one back. He said, look, I'm pretty sure you and I could just go out and have a better match than this. And I haven't ever stepped in the ring. Uh, We absolutely could. Like I could at least go in there and bump. And you know what I could do, Shad? Uh, Not that I am trained in any, any way, but I've watched wrestling for uh, for for decades, and I think I can at least attempt to do more than one move. Yes, because he only had one move, and that was a choke. Yeah. Sometimes he chokes in the corner. His finish also a choke. Yeah. <laughs> you you know, this watching is... this? <laughs> watching this, this just this sums up my... his career, right? This is his whole career with a big choking all everywhere. <laughs> Reminding me of the Irish assassin and Samson. No, because uh, I still feel that was worse. Because Curly Bill worse. knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want to be unfair to Curly Bill. 
I bet but... Nail's, Nail's performance was reminding me of them. Uh, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. That's fair. I, I, two things. One, since we reviewed it uh, about a year back, but uh, SummerSlam 89, it, Zeus actually had more moves than Nails. He was <laughs> He was actually better. The nails Zeus was. had presence too, though. And Zeus had like four, at four moves maybe that he, <laughs> he could perform, but that's more than nails. And he, what well, he did have more presence. He had more, uh, he had more like charisma. <laughs> and at least he had a bear hug, which is legal within the bounds of wrestling. Yeah. Uh huh. And the other thing I wanted to mention there is, because I've heard, um, I've heard Brian and Vinny from uh, Observer. I've heard them discuss it. There is a Nails uh, Elegante match. Oh my god. That occurred in New, in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And it's terrible. Is this it, one it, of those that like um, like Baba comes out of the back pitching a fit, it's so bad kind of matches? I don't know. I think this actually was in New Japan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe. Sorry. Uh, it's It's like four or five minutes. It's not long. And what a surprise! Nails like chokes predominantly, but yeah. Uh, th- even that match, as awful as it is, might still be a better match than that Irish assassin Samson match. <laughs> yeah. That I I still stand by what I said on that show that that is maybe the worst match I've ever seen. I ever. agree. Yeah. 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 I I I there was a since we were talking about like dollar stores we mentioned dollar stores there was a. D- Dollar Store DVD, wrestling DVD. I don't even know. I I don't know where this was shot. I I wish I I still had. It's it. probably an XPW show. No no no. It, this was like, I, I some dude must have just some local promoter or something must have just taped it and then sold it the footage. It was, I forget who he was wrestling, but it was Nikolai Volkov who when he was like sixty wrestling like a dude in like a high school gym and that was still a better match with like old broken down nikolai volkov who he was like so old and out of shape he like didn't have he just wore a t-shirt yeah it's like i'm not taking the t-shirt <laughs> that was still a better match than irish assassin samson i i think we could say irish assassin versus samson is the worst match that we've ever seen put to tape mm-hmm is it? Um, it's. It's. I'll, I'll. I will. I will say it is easily worse than the Linda Miles Jackie Gata match. Oh it's yeah. Infamous. Mm. Well, at least Miles and Gata were trying to do stuff. They may have messed up, but they were trying to do stuff. But but Irish Assassin Samson didn't know how to do anything. I, so. I know Matt said it earlier. I think you could put Matt and me in the ring tomorrow, and we could. Not being trained, we could come up with something better just from having watched it. We could at least lock up properly, and like I could at least put Matt in a headlock, and we'd instantly be doing better than those guys. I could at least sell, you know. I could, <laughs> yeah, I could bump around for you, like you, you, that would at least look good, you know. <laughs> it's a low bar to clear. But... It it yeah. is it is. And uh, God bless this. This was not. I, it's like I feel bad 
for Curly Bill every every time I see him because I keep seeing him in stuff like this. And you know, he was he was kind of it was kind of a running joke for a long time. It's like, oh, you know, you don't you don't see him wrestle. There's a reason for, but you know, he'd go out there and he he he'd be trying. You know, his match with his, at SummerSlam '91, his match where he wins the million dollar belt's actually pretty good, and he's really over. They yeah. really squandered him. Yeah, and then you see him doing stuff like this, and I. Like I said, I just feel bad for the guy because there's no – who did he piss off, right? I mean, he's getting paid. I mean, they, no, that's, I mean that's true. That's kind of the name of the game is keep cashing them checks, as Jay yeah. Ambrose says. Yeah, that's – but, I mean, to keep getting put into stuff like this, you got to wonder who he upset. I mean, if you think about it, though – what they're doing with him here, and who did he wrestle at, um... Oh, the Mountie? Yeah. Like, what he's doing here, that's kind of what you do with guys you trust, though. So, maybe... Maybe uh, it does say something about him that okay, he's that's, in this that's spot. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. It's like, look, we know that this is gonna suck, but we know you're gonna try, and you'll be on SummerSlam. Yeah. yeah. So, that's fair enough. And then, I got more out of this out of the post match segment and attack that nails did than I did out of nail but you know between the bells because nails had uh I guess he had stolen bossman's nightstick yeah because he had attacked him on probably like superstars or something before this yeah and so he's got bossman's nightstick and he he winds up and he builds to it a little bit and he he uh he smacks uh, he smacks Curly Bill with the night stick. So I definitely got more out of that than I did out of this. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and say it so you can hear the air quotes. This uh, match. <laughs> so what ha- what happened next? Can we go to something entertaining, please? You want to know who managed him in the AWA? Just as a fun little. Kevin Kelly, aka Nails, tidbit. I uh, I know this because I looked at looked up some of his AWA career. All uh, right, was it, was it Medusa? Yes, it was Medusa. Wow. Mister okay. Kevin Kelly. I didn't really realize she was in uh, AWA. Yeah, she was. Um, she was around. That's kind of where she got her start. The name. On, okay, all right, listen to this real quick. Pro Wrestling Fandom for Kevin uh, Wackles, a.k.a. Nails. Finishing move, sleeper hold, and lateral vascular neck restraint, which is a choke. Signature moves, the good, the bad, and the ugly, which is a choke. And standing clothesline. Oh. My. God. Now, now understand, he worked in the AWA. That is a legitimate finisher from an out-of-touch, like... 80s promotion but but still that's all he had was three different ways of saying choke and a standing clothesline look he wasn't good even in the awa he wasn't good i think we've established that (laughs) but i'm just for me to see i'm just uh, i'm in awe almost Anyway, could 
like I said, can we let's let's go to the the next? Let's look for something entertaining here. Uh, Matt, what was the next match on the card? Do you have it? In front uh, the of next you? match is like the first match that of this show thus far that I actually really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, so it was Rick Martel versus the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels, with the stipulation. Now I have to. Uh, I'm gonna make. I'm gonna really like press this because of what happened in the match. Like I felt like the they played a little fast and lose with the rules here. Right. But at the beginning of the match. Uh, I don't know. Maybe yeah, I'm my my memory's a little fuzzy. I don't know if it was like Finkel as the announcer announcing it, or this was something that just Vince McMahon had said. But the stipulation was no hitting in the face. Because there the, was uh, this, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sherry Martel was uh, John Michaels' manager, but in the in the time leading up to this, and like the weeks leading up to this on TV. She had been kind of like uh, flirting, I guess, with Rick Martel, the model Rick Martel, who was kind of uh, reciprocating those, the flirtations. Yeah. And that kind of, that pissed off Shawn Michaels. So you had a rare uh, heel versus heel type of matchup going on here, like a a, a mini feud. It was strange to to have a heel versus heel feud because you're like, who do you cheer for exactly? But, um, the thing that, like, they didn't ever seem to be exactly clear. Is this an actual stipulation, or was this just a Sherry said, I don't want either one of you to hit each other in the face thing? Because I heard it both ways. See, now, again, that's why I'm kind of making it, I'm making a point of it, because stipulation was like no hitting in the face. And yet several times in this match, they were hitting each other in the face. Yeah. So if, if the stipulation is like don't punch each other in the face, okay. But there was one point, there was a couple points where they just started slap. That towards the end, they start slapping each other. Yeah. That plays into the finish. But before then, there was a there was a, a period where there was one at least one point where Michaels flat out knees Rick Martel in the face. Right. Um, I want to note that at the beginning of this match, Martel didn't get an entrance that I saw. But he, he, he was, did, but they were talking over it. Oh, okay, yeah, I, yeah, it wasn't like they made it a, a, a point to, to for you to note. But he was in he was in this ridiculous pink tennis gear with, <laughs> with like just because well, like they were in Wimbledon. Yeah, they were in so. Wimbledon. But just he just looked like such a douche. He looked like one of those guys like you see like coming into the tennis courts. If you ever go tennis, I I don't play tennis, but I mean I've seen. I've been like out recreationally. It's like the guy who was wearing like the shorts. He's got like a polo on. Or, like, he's a like sweater. The, he looks like sweater, the villain. A sweater tied across. His, he's yeah. like he's like from Revenge of the Nerds. Like he's like one of the yes. bad guys in that. Yeah, he looks like a villain from like a teen '80s movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My dad's gonna tear down the rec center unless you beat <laughs> <laughs> I liked them. Did you? Sorry, I had to step away from it. Did you guys talk about like where they did the highlights of him and Sherry, like their back and forth? Well, uh, I we, we touched on patience. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We touched on it. It it's such a weird. I mean, okay, you got two guys who need something to do, and I gotta admit, this is a pretty creative thing to come up with. Also, before before we get to the match, I have to say. Um, Dirty old man Mean Gene was really into what Sherry was wearing. <laughs> Her assless chaps. Yeah. Yeah, he they was, I mean. about that a lot. 
I mean, me. I love when Mean Gene, like, you can tell he's just a pervy old man, but man, he was, <laughs> he was, oh, he was loving it. Yeah, um, it was, God, this was weird, because it seemed like the the story of the match is that nobody involved in this match is, is likable. You just want to see bad things happen to everybody in this match. And, uh, you know, I guess they deliver on that. Um, they were, it was a really stupid, this is a, the, the gimmick for this match was really stupid, but I thought they did like, they worked it in such a way that was like really excellent. It was, it was dumb, but it was, I, I don't even want to call it good dumb because they, like you said, they worked it right. It was still dumb, but it was. Let me see if I can say this without stumbling. Well done, dumb. Is that is that fair? It was entertaining. Yeah, it it, it was it was because, I mean, you, this whole match you're waiting to see who's going to snap and and punch the other guy first, maybe. They finally build to them slapping each other in the face, but I, I, I wasn't. I was. I wasn't sure if it was ever the like Matt and I were saying the real stipulation or not because it didn't seem to play into the finish much. No. Well, the finish is Sherry Martell fake passes out, and then they kind of get counted out, and then Michaels tries to take her to the back. And Martell comes out with a bucket of water and splashes her with it, which I was just howling at that <laughs> point. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah. I, I wish an, it, it was entertaining to watch. I'll agree with that. I just can't put my finger on how to describe it otherwise. It's just absurd. Like, honestly. There's better matches on this show, but this was probably the most fun I had while I watched this show. This is a this is a dumb match in this in one sense, but it's one of those things I absolutely just love about pro wrestling because it's so absurd, but it was so much fun. They had a lot of fun with the gimmick. Yeah, uh, and it's just an entertaining match. Like they only had they only went like about eight minutes or so. I wish they went doubled i wish that they had shaved off time from the lod money incorporated match and, and through to this one yeah and, and i think what was fun about this one too is you could really tell that it gave martell and michaels something to really like sink their teeth into and they just ran wild with it and you could tell they were just having fun with it <laughs> yeah it's like, well, okay, what if we do this? And it's like, okay, well, I'm going to carry Sherry to the back. I'm, like, I'm going to come back with a bucket of water and prove she didn't really pass out. And it's like, oh, man, that'll be great. Yeah, I could, I, I, yeah, yeah. They were, ha- they were having a good time. Yeah, I, I, really, I really enjoyed this. Um, this, was probably, this was probably the highlight of the show for me as far as entertainment value went. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, yeah, I, I don't I, think I quite I, agree with that, but it, it is not quite. It's but fun. it's good. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Like oh. there, I think that I think there's some matches on here that were clearly better. I'm just saying, as far as like 
my engagement with the show was highest for this, just because it was so stupid. Um, I'm not gonna say my engagement was highest for this, but this was this was one of the high points. Um, probably top two. So what came after the oh tag titles? Tag title match. Hmm. We had the Beverly Brothers versus the Natural Disasters. Um, so what really stood out to me for this match is how much better John Tenta is than Typhoon. Yeah. Um, I like the Natural Disasters. You know, it's they're, they're the kind of team that you just... You don't get to see it that much. Um, and... I don't. I don't think it's the no, I wouldn't say it's the novelty of it, but the fact that you don't get to see, like even even heavy machinery. Only Otis would kind of fit in with with uh, John Tenta and, and Typhoon here. But yeah, what's funny about Tenta is he's actually one of the quietly most most accomplished, like legitimate athletes in wrestling. Yeah. Um, you were telling us about that. Like, he, he did a bunch of stuff that doesn't get talked about. And his his sumo is kind of part of what led to that shoot stuff with Katawe, which is... Yeah. We need to do that on the show at one point, Shad. I think you would get a kick out of that. <clears throat> okay. Uh, we, we'll, we'll mark that down for a future thing, but... What were you saying? He was in sumo, and he played football, and he did rugby, he, and he did freestyle wrestling. <clears throat> okay, yeah, he that's was. Part of why, that's part mm. of why Katawe was such a little bitch and wouldn't actually engage him, is he didn't think he could take him because of his freestyle experience. Oh, okay. The the really crazy thing about Tenta is because he always had that like receding hairline. And the beard to me, he looks a lot older than he was. Uh-huh. He, he was like forty six when he died. Yeah, he was, he was forty two when he died. Oh, he's even younger. Wow. Yeah, and and for this match in particular, he was like he was twenty nine years old. He was just twenty nine in this match. He was just twenty nine, and it, and wow. I would almost say he was like almost like the veteran. Although I I I don't know how long Typhoon had been. I don't um, know. Stuff but... with... Typhoon had been around longer because I've seen Typhoon yeah. in Memphis in like '86. You know what's you know what's sad about this though is Tenta at 29 would be like one of the youngest male wrestlers on the the WWE roster today in NXT roster. Yeah, yeah, one of the youngest. But it but he was, he was good. Also... He was so yeah. good. He was so capable. He's really um, and I've only seen like a, a fraction of his like Japanese work. And he was just—he was really, really good. Uh, see, uh, for the longest time, I like it. Uh, it was in that time period where I didn't have access to much. So the thing I heard from my friends, like, "Oh, the natural disasters." You, you, yeah, they're just fat tubs. Who cares? But I really enjoyed these guys, and they have—they actually have an advantage built in. Given what we were just talking about in um, Tenta being so much better than 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 uh, Dusty called him Uncle Fred, um, 
is that you have a built-in face in peril. You you have you you have someone built in to take take the heat, and then you you let you know here comes Tenta to to do you know make the hot tag and do a great job clearing stuff up. And the the early spot where um the uh, where um the the Beverly's take over, you see like. Tenta got serious air on that splash. Yeah, like he had, he had some ups on that, and that was really, that was like, that was really cool to see. Is that kick he did was like good too. He got some yeah. air on that. See, my problem with this match though is they could have done so much more with this match, especially in like a different promotion. Oh yeah, yeah. Because mm. like. Could you imagine, like, let's say the Beverly's, like, attack them outside of the ring, and it's just, like, they're using chairs on them and stuff, and you get some color on Typhoon or Earthquake, and maybe they, like, do, like, a double slam on Typhoon on the outside, and he's just, like, out of it, and then, you know, Earthquake makes the comeback and gets that splash on him. You have Earthquake, like... Like they do that to Typhoon on the outside, and you see Earthquake like walks around a corner, and he's he's like busted open, high on his head, so it's run down, and it's like in the contours of his face. But here comes this massive man with blood running down his face, looking just madder than hell. And you can you imagine that, that visual? And you could even do that end run that was cool, but like could have met more. Where like he's going for the splash, and the other guy's on the apron, and he just bowls that guy like right off the side. Yeah. Like you could have, you could have actually like done that in the sense of like he's really in peril. Like they could have done some cool stuff with that. Well, my takeaway from when he hit the ropes and knocked whichever Beverly brother off was he is so in control in this moment that he is he's just running all over both of them. So it's it's like you know this guy's on the apron he might try and do something but. On the way to do his finish, he wiped that dude out, and you know that that cool. I'm I'm fine with that. That's that's what I came away with. But just so much of this match was the Beverly's doing. I don't, pedestrian, boring, bland offense to Typhoon. I guess. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. They, I, I really don't like the Beverly Brothers gimmick because I feel like, I feel like Enos and Bloom had a lot of potential as a tag team. Like if you go back to their AWA stuff, their promos are really good because like Enos won't let Bloom talk ever. Like Bloom goes to start talking and Enos is like, well, let me interject for a minute, and then he does the entire promo. <laughs> and that's like the running gag with their promos. It might have been Bloom doing it to Enos, but like that's their, that was their shtick. Okay. And they were just like they were just like a couple of big bruisers in the AWA, uh-huh. and obviously you can't do that in the WWE. You got to give them some stupid name and like some awful cloaks that just make you not take them seriously. Like it just sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um. I didn't understand what the point of the Beverly Brothers gimmick was, just looking at this. When they were in the AWA, their name was the Destruction Crew. Mm. 
so and they kind of sometimes they would wear like you know like hard hats or like safety vests to the ring yeah like they were like construction workers like which was fine and i mean they were green but i think they could have done more with them that's all yeah don't for god's sakes don't let them do the thing that may caught your attention enough to want to sign them we can't have that yeah and like they were big guys too like and you're kind of giving them these stupid outfits like you could have done more with this like because they they were big enough guys to properly peril the natural disasters in a match uh, yeah i i think they they could have but i'm gonna be honest with you you couldn't tell it from watching this match no but like could you imagine like let's say they they get them on the outside and it's just a it's just a a wild brawl with like plunder and stuff and they maybe get typhoon down with some stuff like they could have they there was a way to make this really compelling and they just didn't no no, that's not how the wwf works at the time I, I I wasn't sure if this was supposed to be a breather match after the last one, uh, and they they just pitched them in the death spot, and they're like, yeah, don't don't go out there and kill yourselves, just take it easy. I'm or, guessing that's what they did. Probably, but and then it was followed by another breather match. <sighs> your side your side tells it all, Shad. I, Go go ahead, Matt. I don't I don't want to talk about it. It's a re re repo man. <laughs> versus, uh, oh God, I forgot this is on the show. Versus Crush. I'm still like. First off, this is a this is demolition exploding, right? Yeah. Demolition explodes. Um. I'm still like shocked, and I when I started watching wrestling, I was too young to really like understand or even realize like. It was just Smash and a different gimmick, but it's really crazy that they basically took he Fitz took Smash, who was one half of like one of their bigger tag teams in the last several years, and just made him like a, a jobber with this like crazy weird gimmick. I don't know. And then well, what, was, what was dumb? What was the? Hmm? You know what's dumb is he and the IRS kind of are doing the same thing where they're stealing stuff from the faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why why weren't they a tag team? Why wasn't IRS employing the Repo Man and working with him? I have no idea. Or cuz that would make more sense to me than teaming DiBiase up with uh, IRS. Cuz I mean to IRS and DiBiase make sense. You could have thrown like Repo Man and like and make it a stable though. Yeah. Uh, that that I well okay. If if we're only putting two of them together, to me it makes more sense that IRS works with the Repo Man. But um, yeah, that you could have had the three of them as a thing. It's like DiBiase pays off the IRS, IRS pays Repo Man uh, to do the dirty work, and so if you want to get to DiBiase, you got to get through Repo Man and IRS. Like that that would that would work. What was really striking to me in this match was um, Brian Adams makes Repo Man look small, and Repo Man is not a tiny person. No. No. Um, Adams was a 
big dude. And his his outfit is so nineties, it's awful. Yeah. That orange and purple, like he looked like a Jolly Rancher going on a rampage. He's supposed to be from Hawaii. That was it, that was part of it for some reason. And his his finisher, what is it, the Conga Crush or something is is the Kona Crush. Kona yeah. Crush. One of the worst finishers outside of like the heart punch. <laughs> <laughs> and like you have like you're the fans are supposed to be doing that like head crush like hand symbol. It's just like whatever. I Like, all right, let's do the crush, and everyone's like, can we do the do instead? He is part of one of my favorite segments of all time where he was feuding with Doink the Clown, and Doink the Clown acted like he had a broken arm and pulled Mm -hmm. his arm out and then beat Crush Senseless with it. Yeah. I still laugh at that. That was great. (laughs) Didn't, uh, Didn't Doink assault him with a car battery at one point? Yes. I always wanted to do that, and I never got a. I, I never could gimmick up a battery properly to do it. So it makes me sad. I, I wanted to rip that off so bad. He was a great doink doing hilarious antics to him <laughs> for like a couple months. Ah, oh, we got some value out of it then. Okay, so yeah. n- next on the card is uh, what I was going to call. This was probably my highest engagement point um, of the show. I where, was I was perplexed by Warriors ring attire for this. Well, yeah, that's that's fair. Ultimate Warrior in a singlet, just like a muscle singlet, like muscle fiber singlet. <clears throat> In in the recap, he was wearing like a bodysuit singlet at one point with muscles airbrushed on. Yeah, which confused me even more. Like, was I don't think I've ever seen him wear a singlet before. I think just in this one stretch, right? I think he must. They must. It must be because this was like when the steroid stuff was starting to like happen. So they must have been like telling him he can't do it uh, maybe but even this singlet wasn't wasn't as big as like the one he'd been wearing in the recap so anyway the, the there's some backstory was, on this match this match was the backstory they went with for this match was just perplexing to me like this is not how I would have yeah well this uh, they're both faces and the idea is that one or the other of them supposedly sold out to have Mr. Perfect in his corner. And and Flair is there, and Flair's like, oh yeah, I know, but I'm not going to tell anybody. And Mean Gene's trying to get him to do it, and Flair keeps putting him off and messing with him. And they can't figure out who's, you know, because both guys have been closed up in their locker room getting ready for the match, and they don't know who, uh, who Mr. Perfect's going to be backing. Well, remember... Um... Lord Alfred Hayes tried to just storm into one of them and he got the door slammed in his face and then he was... That was yeah, upset. he tried to storm at the Warriors. Yeah. Him, and he got the door slammed in his face. Yeah. He's, he's like, like, well, I oh, never... I never. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. 
that's like that is ingrained in my head. Like I, I can't. You know what's funny is I I watched um, when they put that mid old mid Atlantic footage up on the network. He's managing um, Nikolai Volkov and Alexis Smirnov is like the champs. And he's great as a manager. He's like a Bond villain when he was like actually managing. It was it was fascinating to watch him do promos and stuff. God, it's a grand shame because uh, he was just an interview guy, right? Uh, like I'm not. No, he did. Um, it's a he worker. did. He and Gene did. He and Mean Gene would do like commentary for some shows. <laughs> okay, uh, I was. He would do like. He would do house shows and he would do some um some like of the Coliseum videos. Like he's actually not a terrible commentator. Okay. Oh, see, yeah. I did not like his commentary at all. I had some memory gaps in there. But uh so we they, they they're having this match and this is this is a pretty long match. This is 28 It's almost yeah, it's almost a half hour. Uh, but it's it's it works right like uh, savage um supposedly was a guy who laid out everything ahead of time like he laid his matches out and that seems to really benefit warrior like that 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 helps warrior a lot and um you know it these guys you know really work together so i guess because savage doing that really helps warrior so warrior feels more comfortable uh out there doing stuff and so they like this this was this was a babyface match so there it's not your typical you know doesn't follow your typical story there's just a lot of back and forth to it and what I what I really liked here is um he didn't do it in a way you would think or would anyone else would ever sell their neck, but Warrior actually sold the neck injury really great in this. Like you could just tell he was screwed up. Yeah, this was a really good match. Um, when I first watched this like as a kid, I hated the finish. Like I I I wanted there to be an actual like finish. Mm-hmm. Which we didn't really get here. It's just a, it's a count out, and there wasn't a, I mean, there was no title change, or it wasn't a clear victory that where Savage retained. But I, I didn't like it as much when I was a kid. But now watching this years later as an adult, this actually is probably my favorite match on the card, and I actually thought it was really like smartly worked. Like mm-hmm. they didn't do. A lot of elaborate stuff, Mm-mm. but it, it, I mean it's mostly like just simple. But everything they did seemed like it had some weight to it. Like they, the savage would like come down off the top rope, like with the axe handle or something like that, and it, and it like meant something. Yeah, like the selling was good. Like it, it, it just was a really really solid match. I feel like it's a really underrated match, probably because everyone really remembers the savage mania. The Savage uh, Warrior Mania match from WrestleMania Seven, which they which should, because it's amazing. It's a, it's amazing. It, it I know we don't we don't really like talk about like stars, but that is like a five star classic. And that yeah. I'm gonna say like I think we mentioned that when we were talking about like favorite Mania matches yeah. in an old podcast. 
But that one is really underrated. Like I, I get that it's at this point it's it's almost like thirty years old, which is crazy to think. But people I think kind of sleep on that. They don't they don't really think about that because there's been a lot of other good mania matches that they're probably gonna think like. Or they enjoy hating on Warrior a lot. Yeah, but no, but it's so good though. Like he he fucking destroys Savage to the point where Savage just collapses, and he just steps on him and pins him to end his career. Which like, it is, it's amazing. Am I yeah. am I misremembering it? Where like Warrior has like a look of disgust on his face when he did it, or am I? There, there's literally a point where he just. He like goes like he's gonna press Sam Slavage, Savage. He just gently puts him on his feet and just smacks the shit out of him, <laughs> like at the start of the match. Cause Savage cost him the title. Like that's that was like what led to that. Savage cost him the title to Slaughter, and they just it's all about their hatred for each other. And like at one point in that match, like. Warrior just doesn't think he can beat him. Yeah. And he's like talking to his hands and Savage hits him from behind. And then Warrior's just like, now I know. And then he just proceeds to destroy Savage after that. Like he yeah. just, he just shoulder blocks him until Savage is done. Like that's all. The, the that's match, the match yeah, that match is really good. And it's, it tells this really solid story. And it's one of those where the commentators like do a really good job helping kind of if if someone's not coming along for the ride helping them fill in the blanks as you go um that's because it's gorilla though because vince would have if if the vince commentating this show he would have was it i think it's it's gorilla and bobby i knew bobby was there but i couldn't remember if it was vince or gorilla um but you know, like everything in that just just fires together. Like all, all the pieces come together, and and make it. You know, you know, it's good. It's really good. Mm-hmm. This one is not. You know, this one is not as good. This one's different though because they don't hate each other as much. This is like this actually before they get to the finish part. This feels kind of like an old school nwa like a little slower like wearing each other down like everything has its cost yeah to both participants like this was actually i think why this is so forgotten too is this doesn't feel like a wwf match oh yeah i can see that definitely at least not at least not for the that era Yeah, I would yeah, agree with that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. But this is still this is still good. This is still solid. Um, you know, there's solid solid storytelling going on here, and, and like I said, it's it's a babyface match. It's two babyfaces going at it. So they're you're, instead of you know, cheat to win stuff counter or something like that. They're just they're trading their big shots trying to take the other guy out and you know that's i mean that's a lot of fun to watch so that's what they're doing uh, until the heels make their entrance right and then yeah. the question becomes okay we've been having this baby face match up to this point now we find out who the heel is and 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 perfect and flair are just screwing with everybody's expectations 
and it's you know you get this um well a- at the end it turns out that neither one of the guys sold out and it's just been flair and perfect screwing with them to i guess it's what it sets up flair's flair's challenge for the next next big show yeah um, I, I'm, I'm well, asking no, to make sure I don't screw it up. No, Flair wins the title on primetime wrestling like a couple days after this. Oh, okay, all right. Because the in the in the big two, the only people that that Macho Man loses the belt to are are Flair and Hogan. Uh, once someone someone pointed that out to me, that that both blew my mind and then like uh, not exactly spoiled, but kind of set the tone for a bunch of stuff for me um but you've got this you know and and it it turns out you know like you know they they cheat for for uh warrior first and then they cheat for for savage and then you know they're just screwing with everybody by you not being able to tell whose side they're on and so we get this finish like you said matt this is SummerSlam. you you expect a clean finish in the world title match at SummerSlam, right? But this ends in a this ends in a count out that actually it it works for both guys because you know, Savage is still champ, but Warrior got the count out victory. So you know, neither guy is I guess this is like fifty-fifty booking done right. Neither guy is hurt by it, and 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 both guys stay built up. Is that also the way there's it? there's one other thing I wanted to compliment Warrior on with this match is he really portrayed well, just wanting that title more than anything in the world. Mm-hmm. And that post match too. Like, for the people that think Warrior absolutely sucks, you should watch this match because someone that's absolutely terrible as a worker could not have contributed what he did to this match. Mm -hmm. I I have changed the way I think about Warrior. Uh, I think of him now more as, like, the the beta version of Goldberg. (laughs) Like, Goldberg was better at the gimmick, but Warrior was the one who who did it first, I guess. Does that make any sense? I can see that. It's the beta test of Goldberg. (laughs) Um, Goldberg's Goldberg's like the gimmick with less cocaine involved. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe maybe it's better to say that Goldberg is the 90s version of it. Uh, So it's, it's, it's... it's the it's the disturbed version as opposed to the um, the the glam rock version maybe. That, that's fair. You know what's shocking about this show is like we're two hours in at this point and like we've only been through what four matches five matches. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six actually. Yeah. Yep. Six. Okay. There was a point where I was like, wow, I'm really far into this show and I haven't seen much. Um happen they had a bunch of interviews too yeah they did they, they were really they're really eating some time on this that, that which really sucks because i would have really liked to have tatanka and berserker actually make the show versus some of like the promo stuff 
Yeah. Like, I didn't need the Bushwhackers or the Nasty Boys promos. Yeah. The Nasty Boys promo had what I call um, nitroitis in that for some reason that I don't understand, the Nasty Boys were talking about uh, Warrior Savage when they don't have anything to do with it. Well, they were in that they were they were in that segment that they replayed though. They were oh, like okay. who they were wrestling. But the problem I had with them though is they're talking about getting a title shot and they had just jobbed earlier on the show. Did they? Oh yeah, they, yeah they, they did. They were in that big like that I don't six know, like, man. Indian. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it was it was a because they were, God, what they this were doing there. What they were doing there is they were setting the seeds for them to turn face on Jimmy Hart because they want a title shot because they were former champions, but he's going to screw them over and give the title shot to Money, Inc. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Yeah. There there was a point to it, but, you know, whatever. But anyway... um. I actually, it's going to be controversial to say, because we'll get into it, but if you if you put them side by side with Hart and Bulldog and Warrior Savage, I would actually say Warrior and Savage holds up better than Hart and Bulldog does. I agree, and I'll get into that a little later. Yeah. We'll, we'll dig into it when we get there. And I would say, I'm going to even be more controversial with it, I would say Savage, Warrior is a far superior match. I would need to watch him again to go with far superior, but I don't really, <laughs> I don't really I, want to watch Brett Bulldog again. Yeah, far superior. I'm not uh, that. I don't know if I quite agree with that qualifier, but I will agree that it is superior. Yeah, it, it doesn't have. There's some issues with the execution of Heart Bulldog that that Savage Warrior does not have. Yeah. Well, it's. I mean, we're we're making our way towards Heart Bulldog, so. Yeah. Oh, this we won't take long. We got one more before we get there. Good God. We got one more. We got one more <laughs> dead elk to chuck Jeez. before we. Oh my. Okay, God. so up next we have um, Undertaker and Tatanka. I have to say, I do appreciate Kamala. Kamala sorry. Yeah. I do. I do appreciate Undertaker matches because I can always skip ahead five minutes and he's still doing his entrance. <laughs> That's been a that's been pretty constant, hasn't it? Yeah. So this this is a nothing match that ends in a DQ, and I was like, I think I I wrote in the messenger. I'm like, why? Why did this not have a finish? I don't know. Why did they? Why were they protecting Kamala? They do a casket match at Survivor Series, so I guess they needed to drag this feud out for six months. Ah, uh, I I forgot that they did that. They they didn't need to. Um, but it's Kamala in 1992. He doesn't have any mystique left at this point, especially in the WWF. No, he's... Okay, we've got, what, Harvey, Harvey Whippleman does the, the intro. Uh, okay, fine. And, and then Kimchi, what the hell was that? Brings out Kamala. Uh, and and before before Taker makes his entrance, riding on the top of the back of a hearse. Yeah. 
I guess. Okay. Yeah. And then this match, like the match itself is short. Like not much happens. But what was it? That was Yeah, it was Didn't she like finished. hit Taker with his the helmet? helmet? Yeah. Yeah. And then Kamala like splashed him eight gazillion times and those splashes looked so bad. You know? It looked like he he about fell off the first time. Yeah. It, every splash looked like he it, every splash looked like he was a trainee who was afraid to do the move cuz he was going to land it wrong. I you know, he was getting up there in years at this point though. I bet it hurt like hell, especially okay. in the WWF ring because they were doing boxing rings. Okay, that's fair enough. Because if, if you go back to, like, 86 and watch him do it in the WWF, it looks like he murders people. Okay, all right, all right, fair enough, fair enough. I didn't have the context on, on where his age was on it. But, uh, yeah, he does three splashes. He does one standing, one off the second, and one off the top. And then he goes to leave, and then Taker going to take and sits up and glares at him, and so Kamala runs off. Yeah. And, um... If if you if if anyone watching this wants to see a cool Kamala video, go look at go look up his debut debut vignette in Memphis where he's in like Jerry Jarrett's backyard. If you want to see like how cool like the Kamala thing is, have you guys seen it before? I uh, don't know that I have. So it's really just him wandering around Jerry Jarrett's backyard, and this narrator's like, Kamala, like 320 pounds, Kamala. <laughs> Was that kind of like that uh, Hogan video you sent us? Yes, did you watch that? That video is awesome. It's like a movie, like... It, it... it was brilliant. Like, I... I was watching that, like, holy crap, like, this is why Memphis lasted until 1997. Like, they... They knew what they were doing. Yeah, they knew how to sell it. Because I was like, uh, I was like, wow, is this match out there? Because like, wow, you sold me on this like thirty years after the fact. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, but this was, this Not was good. nothing. This was nothing. It was, it was. Well, all right, Taker, he's gonna win by DQ, and we're gonna give you a cool entrance. And, you know, you guys only have to work for, what, like a grand total of ten minutes. Yeah, Kamala was also salty about his payoff for this. Oh, was he? Yeah, he's talked to... He, this always comes up with Kamala, because he got... I think Taker got, like, 120 grand, and Kamala got, like, 25 grand Ooh. of the payoff. So he's a, he's a salty... He's, he's probably... He probably doesn't deserve as much as Undertaker deserves, but he probably is rightfully salty about his payoff. Yeah, com- a hundred thousand less. But the thing, the thing you'll learn when Kamala talks a lot about it is Kamala's about Kamala. Kamala's about the money, too. So, yeah, he was very salty about his payoff. Well, I don't blame him. With yeah, with that kind of disparity, I don't blame him either. Good lord. Um. Jeez, I mean, on one hand, twenty thousand for what ten minutes of work is kind of nice, but then when the other guy that was involved, you know, got got like an order of magnitude more than you. Jeez. Anyway, 
So now we come to the main. British Bulldog being led to the ring by Lennox Lewis, because that was topical at the time, versus Bret Hart for the Intercontinental title. This this show also had one of my it, it was in one of the botchamanias and it always cracked me up is they're doing the like talking to the fans outside the arena before the show and the one kid is the British Bulldog is going to win whether he wants to or not and it's like <laughs> I shouldn't make fun of a kid like that who's all excited to be recorded for TV but buddy you should have asked him for a reshoot on that uh, well you know he's kind of accurate here because uh um... <laughs> I hadn't thought about it that way. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. On VHS, I probably didn't notice this, but I was watching, like, an up-res, like, HD version of the show. And, man, like, those, those bulldog eyes were not the eyes of a man that was all there. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say that. Well, so, uh, for people who are not aware of the backstory... Like, Brett wrote about this in his autobiography, which I don't own, but I have heard excerpts of this. Um, Davey had, Davey had, like, drug issues. And that's, that's kind of like the history of his career. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. I actually, because um, at, at, after, like, UK Rampage, we kind of were talking about this, and I, I, like, just, I guess, kind of brain just off the top of my head, like brainstorm, like, well, why, why wasn't Davy Boy Smith like, like a guy who was actually pushed as like a top guy? Because he kind of like was in this very brief narrow period, but then it never, it was never sustained. Yeah. And there are other periods in the '90s in the WWF where he was pushed as like a, at least a, 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 a legit heel. He got like his comeback in '99 where he yeah. was doing like the. He just had like the jeans. Oh, that that was way past the end. But I mean, yeah, during yeah. like the mid '90s when he they had him with Cornette, he actually you know he, well he had the really awful uh, title match with Diesel, but Ooh. it which is like very bad. But he was kind of pushed for a little bit. But it, it, if you think about it, like based upon like his this show, like he he in theory he he should have been like a, a main guy. But he kind of shows why you can't trust him on this show. Yeah, yeah. but the, the, yeah. the backstory for those who haven't read or Brett's book or, or heard about it was that Davy Boy. I mean, he had a drug issues, um, and I actually listened to a, a cornet. I am like a unlike a digressing. I forgot to mention like part of that. I I did some like research, and I guess I didn't realize the extent of his drug issues. Like they they were just kind of like all they were common. They were so prevalent, and even back in the I guess later in the '90s, when he was working for the WWF, like Jim Cornette actually told a story where he was. Uh, this was back in the mid '90s when he was managing him, and, and Jim was at a hotel after a show, and he was talking to. I think he said he was talking to like Sonny Tammy Sitch. Mm-hmm. They were engaged in a conversation. They just look over, and it's like late at night, and Davy Boy is just like stumbling in mm-hmm. and trying to get a room. And I guess all the rooms are booked or he whatever. But he's like Davy Boy uh, wasn't speaking English, and it's because he was so whacked out on somas that he oh. just literally could not string like two sentences together. It was just like slurring his words. So he like took care of him that instance. 
Yeah, but that apparently was like a common thing. Like he he was always on something. And right before this match, <laughs> Davey had been uh, he had been on a, a bender with Jim Neidhart, where they were smoking crack cocaine for days. For days. Literally. Yeah, he's not, this no, is, I understand. He hadn't, he hadn't slept for like three or four days at this point, I think. Yeah. It's and, just... Go ahead. Sorry, I was taking a, a swallow. Uh, he, um, yeah, he had been doing, he'd been doing drugs, specifically crack with Jim Neidhart for like several days and just was not in condition, really. Yeah. To be doing this match. Question. Legitimate question. If you're WWE, why did you let Jim Neidhart come? Because you kn- you know this is going to happen. <laughs> I don't know. Um, for those who, it's a running joke between between me and a friend of the show, uh, Damian Gonzalez, the Dames. Uh, there is, if you haven't heard it, there is a Laps fan uh, that covers SummerSlam '92. Which is, I think they broke it up into two parts, and it's one of their really long-form ones. I think it's like eight or nine hours once you factor it all in. Wow. Because they go deep dives, and there's lots of jokes and everything, but they do... And they, whole... bre- they like, read parts of people's books about it. And stuff. Yeah, they, and they... They, they cover Brett's autobiography on this, <laughs> and they, they there's impressions of Davy Boy. But there's a running joke between me and, uh, and Dames, like, Mr. Hitman. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's apparently like what Davy Boy would call Brett. He would just call him Mr. Hitman. Which is like that's that's your nickname for your brother-in-law, okay? But Mr. Hitman, I just smoke crack. <laughs> I can't do the match. I just smoke crack. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just insane. Like, yeah. but apparently Brett had to sit down with Davy and literally like lay out the match for them. And just be like, I'm going to just follow what I'm going to do. Like he would a child. And again, when I was when I was a kid, I watched this match and I loved it. And I thought it was like so awesome. And I was somehow stunned that David Boy won the title, even though I, I, I probably had seen him with the title on TV. Mm-hmm. But I was stunned that he won it. And I loved the match. And now as an and watching this match, I don't think the match is as good. It's it's a good match still, but you... the problem is like there you can see the you can see it's kind of like watching. I kind of liken this to seeing this again, like in this day and age. It's kind of like seeing a a movie from the forties or the fifties that have been upscaled in a Blu-ray, and you can really see all the seams and the imperfections of the. Like if you go back and watch like the Blu-ray of Wizard of Oz, you can tell like the plants are plastic. Yeah. Mm. I feel like this match has a lot of the problems. Like when you watch it with a more critical eye, like you can see how screwed up the bulldog is. Yeah. You can see his offense looks terrible. Yeah. Like there's. It, Brett is in control of probably like eighty to ninety percent of the match. It and almost it almost looks like a squash match. Yeah, and you can clearly now looking at this again with that backstory and like you said, Brad with like a critical eye, you can clearly see how he is just absolutely leading the match. And there are points where you see like even if he had something planned that he's just 
taking a break because he throws on like a rest hold and it's like there probably shouldn't have been a rest hold at this point but it's because davy is just like gassed or oh yeah not shape. Like, he, they, they go for, like, this press slam spot, like which, which is the Bulldogs' like first real offense in the match. And I don't know if Brett was supposed to escape it or not, but, like, he pretty much just drops Brett, like, neck first into the ropes. Mm-hmm. Brett doesn't really bump off of it. He just kind of tumbles down Davy Boy's back. And, like you said, it puts him in the ropes in a way you're not supposed to go into the ropes. Yeah. And then there was, um, he does, like, his power slam that Brett kicks out of, and that looked like crap, and there was, like, a superplex where Brett came down, like, super weird. Like, you can really see, like, the seams in this match. But even going into that, like, um, the crowd is super pro-Bulldog, and Brett's really just kind of doing his stuff, but he's not, he's... He really could have gone heel and tried to incite the crowd more with some subtle heelish work, and he really was being stubborn about doing it, which yeah. bothered me. Mm-hmm. He didn't want he didn't want to do it. He was he, he, it, it's pretty clear in the course of this that he's he's kind of he's he's mad about you know that he should be playing the heel here. Discounting everything else, you're facing the British Bulldog in England. You're mm. going to be the heel. Yeah. I don't care who you think you are. So just just steer into the skid and go with it. But he's pissy about it. Uh, just as an aside, I, I I forgot to note this, but throughout the, I think throughout the show, and especially, of course, for this match, of course they would be because it's david boy but also the the savage warrior match the crowd was really hot yeah and i actually felt it really helped the savage warrior match mm-hmm. um and it helped this too because i feel like their their reactions kind of masked some of the the deficiencies yeah see see the problem i had with this um the crowd was super hot but i actually felt like it exposed heart not giving not going with it mm-hmm because there's a couple of things I thought Hart could have done. Like he finally kind of got with it about halfway through when he went, when he's when he kind of did the, you know, slammed Davy like back first into the ring post. But even then, he didn't fully commit. Like there's some stuff he could have done. Like he could have pulled the hair for a headlock. Um, there was a point where he went for like a cover, and I feel like he could have really just taken his forearm and kind of like shoved Davy's head down, like to really kind of put a little heel into it. Like there's some subtle things he could have done that I feel like he never really did. He just kind of, no. his idea of like going heel in this was to be a little more aggressive and how he did some stuff. And it doesn't really work. Um, cause it, it just seems like, you know, we, we're watching it from, you know, from this perspective, and it, it just seems like that he's like, I don't want to be a heel. I want to do it. Um, and, and there are some stories floating around that would lend themselves to the idea of Brett being kind of selfish on that front. Um, which, hell, it's wrestling. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, it, it, uh, this kind of lends credence to that, and 
it's really frustrating because it's unprofessional too. Like, I did think, I did think it was cool how Brett got the sharpshooter on. Mm-hmm. That was a good spot, yeah. But I hated, I hated how they did that roll-up finish. Yeah, it came out of nowhere. See what they should have done, which would have looked better, is they should have done the flare thing. Like he should have broken the sharpshooter. Brett should have gone for it again, and he should have like reached up and like pulled, like grabbed him and like did the like the roll up, like how they get flare off the figure four. Yeah. Sometimes it beat him. Like they should have done that. That would have looked better because Davy really didn't have him good. But I mean, Davy was gone. Yeah. Well, it just the fact that. I remember I'm sitting here watching it, and they go into the, like, here comes Brett, and he goes for the thing, and then David Boy just kind of does the roll-up finish, and it ends out of nowhere, right? Like, it's just all of a sudden done, and I'm like, really? Like, we, we you, you could have, like, built so much more out of this, but I, best I can figure, Brett's just like, screw it, go home. Uh, I'm, I, I'm done. I think it hurt the match, too, how... I mean, it's remarkable how much Brett got out of him. Like, it, it's it's insane. Like, I, I think that can't be stated enough here. It is insane how obviously, like, in no condition to work Davey is and Brett got something this good out of him. He might as well have been wrestling Yoshiko from DDT. <laughs> this was... That's, that's all Davey Boy was here. He was about as good at... He was about as capable as a blow-up doll, but um, but you can tell you can tell just how useless Davy is like on this rewatch, and that really derails the match horribly because they they really needed some fire and stuff out of Davy, and they really he's really just a piece of luggage. This is I think the high the highest profile example I can remember of somebody wrestling a broomstick you know, of someone being carried to a good match. Cause I would say so. He's absolutely, like you guys said, he's absolutely being carried. He's uh, not even like, he's not even like warrior capable here. No, he's just, he, uh, when I watched this match, I was lacking the, the context you had mentioned. So, you know, here I am with my 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 page of notes about how the 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 story of the match doesn't make any sense, and Davy's all blown up, and the comeback being so. Davy may not have known if he was on a, you know where the hell he was. He had, you know, what he, there was a there was a shot that was kind of a close up on Davy mid match, and I'm like, oh, he's got Brutus Beefcake eyes right now. That's <laughs> not good. <laughs> That's a. That's a hell of a way to put it. I hadn't thought about, but he's, yeah, he's just, he's just, I mean, gone that whenever you get to the end of the match and he's posing with the title, he doesn't seem to realize for a while what's going on. Like he doesn't seem to get it. And maybe it has something to do. I don't, I, I don't know, but, why was Diana Hart Smith wearing gloves for this whole match? I, Why were they showing her every five seconds? I like, think they were really... desperately trying to get a different expression out of her. I, I honestly thought they were just they they got like twenty seconds of footage and they were just interspersing that over and over and over again. 
you know what? I don't. I don't think you're wrong. Um, because she didn't emote like hardly at all, and you know her her expression didn't change. Like nothing happened. She, I, I swear they were they were just going back looking for some kind of reaction that they never got. You know what this reminded me of seeing it again is that TNA pay-per-view where Jeff Hardy's just messed up. Oh, God. And Sting just, like, shoot pins him, like, to win the belt. You know, I, I was thinking that same thing, and in my head I was trying to figure which one I thought was worse. And I'm going to be honest, I think the, the Jeff Hardy one was worse. That's No, it, it was. Yeah, the Jeff Hardy one's way worse. Yeah. But... I, I was going to say the ref fast counted the pin, too, because I think they were all just like, screw it, like, take it home. Yeah, we're done. We're I'm, I'm so done with this. Get us, get us the hell out of here. Yeah. Jeez. It, the, but I, I, I have to say, like, Davey's probably lucky he got work after this because, like, I would never trust him with anything, like, if I if I was booking him, if I, you know, after that. And and they went ahead and put the title on him. Well, I mean they're. Well, I mean they got. It they have like to. They're in Great cool. Britain, but still, you know, it's it's like, jeez. They had it on Michaels by Survivor Series, so they they got that belt off of him. Yeah. As quick as possible. I I cannot blame them at all. Good lord. So let's. Was that uh, the one say... that led into the uh, the story about? Uh, the the rib on uh, on Cornette was too hard about the phone. He's like, uh, "Where are they doing this angle about uh, to saying that Diane is a whore?" No, I don't think I've heard this story. Okay, I'll I'll dig it up and send it to you. But that like um, I know it was Owen because this is very much an Owen kind of prank. But he he came up like Corny sitting in the dressing room, and they came up to him with this phone, and it's got the um the cord reached down into the hallway and they're like, Hey, you know, Stu wants to talk to you. And he picks it up and the guy starts talking to him and he's like, Oh, this is, this is, um, this is Bruce Pritchard doing his, uh, doing his, uh, Stu Hart impression. So he starts screwing with him and, you know, ah, what's up, Stu, Stu, you old son of a bitch. And that, and that sort of thing. He, he, he's kind of put off. And he's like, well, why are they doing this, uh, this angle where they're calling Diana who and he's like, well, I don't know. Have they heard something I haven't? And he gets done with the conversation and hangs up, and he looks up, and Owen's kind of, like, staring at him. And he goes, what? He goes, do you know who you're talking to? He's like, yeah, it was Pritchard, wasn't it? And he goes, no, that was Dad. He wanted to talk to you. <laughs> so I'll, I'll I'll dig up the link. But, um, yeah, jeez, this is... This is just, it's depressing because, like you guys said, it, you would expect more. The Bulldog was so firmly mid-card. Like, he, sh- he should have at least been an upper mid-card guy, but we never got that. I have to presume it's stuff like this. I think that's, I think, I think it's why. It just, he had his demons and he couldn't. Boy, howdy, he did really. he? Yeah. I mean, he did have, after, well, he uh, he got fired. Uh, 
I would say early by early '93. But I think led to the uh, the the Sting team and the yeah the, he, after that he, yeah after that he went to WCW and he actually to their credit they did push him in a main event uh, angle with against Vader. Mm-hmm. But he never won the title. I, I and I I kind of mentioned this, but I felt I felt he could have had the title. They could have put the title on him for like I don't know, like a few months. He could have just yeah. he could have won it from like pay per view to pay per view. Uh, but they didn't. So no. that was it. It did lead to the uh, <laughs> the Sting the Sting um, Davy Boy tag team. Yeah, where they went up against uh, Vader. Vader and Excuse Sid. me, Vader and Sid Vicious, who were masters, of, masters power of the power bomb. Yes, yeah. Sorry, and of I course, didn't mean to step on your, your oh, line. You're fine. And then of course, uh, the infamous fall brawl, <laughs> where they teamed with the Shockmaster. <laughs> he is going to shock the world. Sting tries so hard to sell it. Like that's how you know the dude's a professional. He's trying so yeah. hard to sell. The appearance of of this dude in a spray painted stormtrooper helmet. Yeah, and I'll I'll mention uh, that from that one of Brad's favorite lines is uh, you hear you can li- if you listen to the audio you can hear Davy <laughs> in the background go he found his ass <laughs> <laughs> and and Davy is just losing it. He's not even trying to hide it. He's just braying like a donkey. Mm-hmm. Which, to be fair, if you were there, you probably would be. I imagine, like, there's one of two reactions that could happen. Either you're laughing and trying to hide it, or I imagine maybe Sting was in this position where he's just pissed that he's tried so hard to put this over and this happened. Yeah. Or you're Sid, and you're so locked in (laughs) that you just start screaming at him. Mm Mm-hmm. You want some of me? You ain't nothing. You ain't nothing. <laughs> you know the funny thing about that story is, is they didn't take the crossbeam down at the bottom. They didn't that's take that Dusty away. That's what Dusty claims. Yeah. Well, you can tell the way he falls that, he, that that's what happened because he, he, you can tell like he, he he went to come through and he just like fell over it. Yeah, Dusty's Dusty's story about it is that um, I, I can't remember who it was sabotaged him because when when Fred Ottman, incidentally Typhoon, did the uh, did the practice bust earlier in the day, it wasn't there, and so when he came through, he wasn't expecting it to be there, and he tripped over it. Um, I, I remember him telling that story on one of those uh, Legends of Roundtable, I think, uh, but. <laughs> You know, here, here, here comes, here comes Shockmaster, and and in the space of a second, um, gimmick over. Yeah, I don't know how they expected us to take the the spray painted stormtrooper helmet seriously, anyway. No, and then either. and then it's Oli in the back with the voice changer. <laughs> it's not even Fred doing Fred doing the promo. It's Oli's talking through the voice changer in the back, and Fred's trying to match his mannerisms to it. That is such a stupid... Oh, my God. It's, yeah, it's terrible. Oh, it's so terrible. It, it's got to be all-time biggest 
bloopers other than Titus falling and sliding under the ring <laughs> at um, the greatest Royal Rumble ever. Yeah. You know what? Titus just kind of rolled with it and good on him, but it's. Um, the, it, it goes down in what someone might call the annals of wrestling history. <laughs> so let's, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's give our final thoughts. If you would recommend this or not, I'm going to start us off. Um, this show gets like a lot, like it's considered a good SummerSlam, and I kind of think it's a little overrated. But you can't really argue with WWF of this era having three good matches on it, because I'm I'm gonna count Martell and Michaels as a good match, even though it's stupid. <laughs> you will be entertained, so it gets points for that. Um, Savage Warrior is excellent, and Heart and Bulldog is not as good as I remember, but it's still a worthwhile watch, and it's fascinating if you like really kind of watch it and see how messed up Bulldog actually is. Yeah. Uh, the way I'm I'm counting this is that there's three bad things, two things that are are okay two good things and then the main which kind of goes into its own own category and and that's not a bad that's uh, not a bad ratio but if you're going to watch it I would if, you, if you're looking for fun stuff to watch watch Martel Michaels and watch Warrior Savage uh, you'll be alright I think Heart and Bulldog kind of, I feel, has historical significance to it. So I kind of feel like if you're like a real wrestling fan, you kind of have to watch it. I don't want to. I don't want to put that moniker on it, but it's 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 kind of sad. It makes me kind of sad to considering everything that goes into this. I'm just. I'm kind of sad by it. It's like, you know, this, this didn't have to be this way, but yeah, but it was, uh, I, I don't know that I would recommend the entire show. I feel, I feel David boy and Brett. I think, I still think it's a good match and I think it's like a historically significant match. So, I would recommend that. I would actually recommend Warrior Savage, and I would probably recommend. I would recommend the the Michaels uh, Martell match, but the rest is completely skippable. Yeah, you're, you're not missing anything. Mm-mm. It it really it really this year really shows like the dire state of their roster at this point in time that some of this stuff was making pay per view. Yeah, that's true. I mean, come on. That's this was yeah, this was after Rampage, so I mean, I mean, let's come on, guys. It's yeah, we 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 missed out on having such classics on this show as the Mountie and Tonka and Skinner and Duggan. Wow, there was a lot of the same guys. 
You said Sid had kind of already sit it out at this point. Yeah, so. he is softballing. Because I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that he that um I don't know this for a fact, but I'm thinking Kamala took his place like in that Taker program because it felt like Sid and Taker were getting into a postmania okay. program. So from from Rampage to SummerSlam, the the differences of people who were on the card, and I, some of them I'm not going to know if they were gone or not, but people who I can at least guess were probably still around that were not on the card, on the main card. I'm not counting the dark matches. That's Tonka and Skinner and Duggan and Mountie. Cause they were all on this card, and they were on the uh, they're on the pre-show. Okay, yeah. So that, like, the people I'm discounting are are Shiki and Bravo, but they were both gone they at this gone. point. And then um, Bravo, Bravo might have no, Bravo is still alive, I think. But he just wasn't there. And then let me let me and then Sid. that real quick. So that's those and those them and Sid. Um, were the ones who weren't around, you know, who were off the roster. So that means there's Duggan. Oh, no. Um, there's Tatanka. There's the Mountie. Oh, no, he was still alive. Uh, Dino Bravo died March 10th, 1993, so he was still alive. So you had a lot of the same roster of people just with the pieces moved around. Yeah. Like versus Mania at this point, Hogan was Hogan was still under contract, but doing Hollywood's he's probably doing um, Thunder in Paradise at this point. You know, the one of the speedboats for Thunder in Paradise found new life by appearing on the Grand Tour on Amazon. Hmm. Richard Hammond drove it through uh, drove it through Vietnam. That's interesting. Yep. Uh, Piper was gone. I'm thinking Sergeant Slaughter was gone by this point. Well, or he was agent. He was retired and agenting at this point. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Wow. That's. Yeah. Yeah. As you said, that's a dire place for a roster to be. I think Warrior's gone in like two months. I think he's gone by Survivor Series because I think I think him spazzing out is what what leads to like Savage picking Mr. Perfect as his tag partner and then Mr. Perfect taking it seriously like when when um Flair and Heenan kind of just like laugh him off. Hmm. Okay. That's actually that's actually um we should do that primetime episode at some point because that's actually like a really underrated angle where Savage does that and they kind of like make fun of Mr. Perfect and he's like, well, why couldn't I do it? Like, I can, I can fucking still go. Oh, was that his return from injury angle kind of thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was, that was, it's, it's really well done. It's, so then they do like, I think Savage and Perfect versus Flair and Razor Ramon. Okay. All right. Okay. That yeah. That's fair. I, I I get mixed up on on the time frame sometime. No, the ninety two ninety ninety two is a really weird year. Because <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like burying the the eighties and like 
the start of the new generation, but it's not quite the new generation yet. Yeah, yeah. You're moving out of rock and wrestling into the new era, but they're not sure what the new era is yet. Yeah, 93 kind of, like, continues that because then you have, like, they're kind of starting to bring in, like, that more adult theme, but, like, the cartoon is still there. Like, 92 to, like, 96 is, like, a really weird... No, I'd say even into 97 is, like, a weird transition. Like T.L. Hopper doing the Caddyshack reference. Yeah, and even, like, at early 97, you still have, like, Road Dog doing the country singer thing. <laughs> Being the roadie. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... Ooh-wee. Uh, 90s WWF is just a weird place. Yeah, no kidding about that. All right, well, Matt, did you have any other parting thoughts you wanted to... No, that pretty much encapsulates... <laughs> Uh, it was just it was interesting to watch this again as an adult because I knew there was a lot of like junkin on this like the nails virtual match stuff like that but I was a little surprised that I wound up liking Warrior Savage more mm-hmm. uh, watching it as an adult so that was a kind of eye opening. Well, we uh, want to thank you all for joining us. If you you know, let us know what you think. Hit us up on social media. You think we are on base? You think we are off base? Um, do you have a really good Davy Boy, Mister Hitman? I'm on crack impression. Whatever. <laughs> we would love to hear from you on social media. Um, Did Davy Boy hit you up for crack? <laughs> we would love to hear from you on social media. So this is Shad here with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, and we will see you next time. <laughs>